0: Hey, we're so glad you're here, and if you're visiting us for the first time, uh, again, we just want to give a massive welcome. We always count it a huge privilege. When people come and visit our church families. And uh, as you know, we've got this congregation here. But also, isn't it amazing what God's doing? We've got congregations in Haven and in Waterlooville and Waterside and, uh, and uh, Gospel. Jeff would never forgive me if I forgot Gospel. And we, we're just believing that we're going to see the Lord plant many other churches through, through us. Amen. You know, as a group of people, there's just kind of three words that are on our heart as leaders at the moment. Reach and retain and release help people to find Christ as saviour help them to become disciples disciple making is huge to us but then also believe God that out of what he's done we could be releasing um, what God wants to do in other parts of the country and uh, you know God's so faithful I was just thinking about how he's constantly been our provider not just through the last few years a couple of months, 18 months or so but you know, next year, next October, uh, we're 25 years old as a, as a church, isn't that incredible? Not this October, Next, we've got a year to go, 12 months, um, we'll buy some fireworks or something, I don't know what we're going to do, but isn't that incredible? 25 years, he's been constantly faithful to us, he's been constantly faithful. I can remember turning up at Buckland Community Centre, I think it was me, 12 people, and a cat, and most of them were my family, I think. Not the cat, because you know what I feel about cats. Um, he's faithful. When we didn't have equipment, he was faithful. When we started reaching out to the community, he was faithful. Every time we hit a wall and we didn't, he was faithful. And I believe that we need to rest in the faithfulness of God, amen. Remember what we were sharing the last couple of weeks, that thanksgiving and praise is the backswing of our now prayer. And we're in a series at the moment, and we've been talking about approaching God, our approach to God, having a correct approach, correct etiquette. And I want to carry on those thoughts with you today, because we've been talking about how when we approach God, it needs to be a mix of honor and reverence, even though we feel welcome in his presence, like children with a loving parent. We must never lose our honour and our reverence for who he is. Amen? I think sometimes in our modernism, we can get a little bit more familiar than what we should. Let's be a people, family, church, wherever we meet, but just hold a reverence and an honour in our heart for him. Because we understand that on one hand, he's our heavenly father. Yeah, we can call him father, we can call him Abba, Papa God, Daddy God, we have that closeness, that intimacy. But also, he's the creator of the universe. So as we approach him, it's that it's that twofold wonder of, you're my father? Isn't it awesome that when Jesus taught us or taught the disciples then how to pray, he said, uh, our father who are in heaven. So our approach is always with a consciousness that he's our father. But also at the same moment, he's the one who flung stars into space and holds all things by his word. I believe that gives us a healthy approach. And we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Psalm 100, how it says that we enter his gates, that there should be a shout of joy in the house. That's why I love the sound of this house. When we get to praise him, there's a shout of joy, Psalm 100. But then it says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving. And it's courts with praise. And like I said, uh, I nearly knocked my daughter Gabby out with a golf club as I was trying to um, give you an analogy of this. I didn't realize how strong my backswing was. And uh, I thank God that there wasn't any injuries. Um, But that's the reality, that when we're praying, when we're looking at our future, we've got to have a stone of Ebenezer beneath our feet that declares what God has already done in the history of who we are. And then when we come into his presence with a backswing, we're like, you were there when I was broken. You heard me when no one else did. You came through when nobody else. And then suddenly we're in a moment, oh yeah, and this also God. That's a healthy approach. And then last week we were looking at the boldness that we have in our approach and how the book of Hebrews tells us plainly that we can have and we should know, not arrogance, conceited, anything like that but a boldness in our approach to God based on our understanding of Jesus as our high priest. How many people enjoyed that message last week? I did. I went home and I went, that was good preaching. Thank you. Did you get much? I got loads because I was listening to God as I was preaching. And the revelation of Christ as our high priest is our boldness to approach him. Because, you know, Jesus is revealed as so many things in The gospel's in the word of God, he's our redeemer, he's our saviour, he's our advocate, he's our mediator. He's so many things to us and our salvation. But the Bible reveals him very clearly, especially in the writings of Hebrews, as our high priest. And I got a fresh understanding of Christ, my high priest. And even this week myself, when I've been praying, I heard myself praying, thank you that my high priest stands before you, Father accepted and everything that he did was perfectly accomplished and in that I find my boldness. Now today I want to talk about not having boldness but having confidence. They're actually the same thing and the word confidence is in the root word boldness but actually there's a whole another section in the book of Hebrews that speaks of the confidence that we can now have in our approach to God not as a group of people, but in our individual worlds also. Now, both of these things have to spring from the understanding, two things. Number one, he wants us to come boldly before him. We're not trespassing. We're not being arrogant. He wants us to know boldness and confidence in his presence. Secondly, he made the way for us to have boldness And confidence. It's not a work of man. It's not a keeping of the law. It's grace. Just as the king would extend a scepter to Esther, and that scepter extended meant, You are so welcome, ask what you will. So Christ has become the scepter extended to us, the righteousness of God saying, You belong here. Isn't that wonderful that we belong in the presence of God? So today I want to talk. About confidence in our approach for a few moments. And last week we looked at how Jesus is our high priest, that he represented us and represents us before the Father. Um, How the Old Testament priest had a very, very clear route of approach representing the people. But then we looked at how Jesus, as our new covenant high priest, is so much better than the high priest of the old covenant or old testament we looked at how the old testament priest could never sit down why because his work was never done because sins were covered by the blood of animals but it says of jesus and when he'd made sacrifice for all man for all sin for all time our high priest sat down and that's because he's completed what he needed to do to repair and bring us from being estranged to being children of God. So he came presenting his life to the Father as our high priest. We know that in his death, burial and resurrection, payment was made by his own blood. And it says the veil was torn. Again, let's remind ourselves of these things. That in that moment when Jesus gave up his life as a perfect divine exchange for ours... It says, in that moment, in the temple that was not nearby, but it was in the same district, was torn from the top to the bottom. As the body of Jesus was torn as a veil, so the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. What was the purpose of that veil? To keep an uh, unholy people from being with a holy God. So how well did Jesus make us holy that in that moment after he died, the veil was torn in two and God said, you're now welcome. We've got to understand what Jesus has done for us. And it says that when he rose from the dead, our high priest, he came before the Father to be for all time our mediator, our intercessor. Does that make sense? He stands before the Father for you today. We have a man in heaven. We have a righteous man in heaven who rose from the dead and stands constantly before the Father with the blood that he shed and nails in, nail prints in his hands. And the Father sees us through him. Just as God saw the people of Israel through the current high priest, God sees you through him. This is where our confidence comes, that we're not going to be thrown out. Ever been in a party that you shouldn't have been in and you were waiting for the moment for the bouncer to grab you? Okay, that's just me again. Yeah, thanks for your honesty so much. So you're telling me I'm the only one that's ever been in a party. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take that. But I know what that's like to be walking around with a guilty conscience, waiting for someone to say you should. I, I lived on Hailing Island, and it was all holiday camps. You don't know the holiday camps that thought I was on holiday until they realized, hold on, he's been on holiday for six years now. And, and, and I was constantly waiting for a security guard to throw me out. In the presence of God, we're not constantly waiting to be thrown out because we belong. Now, if you've got your Bibles with you, let's flick to Hebrews chapter 10. We're just going to stick in around Hebrews chapter 10 today, if that's okay. Humor me with the rustling of pages. I love the good, yeah, that's it, make up some noises, get an app that sounds like the rustling of pages. If you're using a phone, just kind of just make that noise. I just, there's something old about me, but I just love the sounds of pages being rustled, all right? But that's just me and I get over it this is the point I'm making today not only did and does our high priest Jesus stand before the father representing us but he held his own blood now I'm going to talk about blood today don't get scared this is good stuff all right it would be enough to see Christ as our high priest representing us right but our high priest didn't stand before the Father like Old Testament high priests with the blood of bulls and animals and goats. He approached the Father with his own blood shed on the cross for us that was payment for our sin. I love that. I have a high priest in heaven and the blood that came before the Father to forgive my sins and justify me was the blood of Christ. Now we're gonna let, I'm going to let Hebrews preach to you again a little bit this morning because it says it's so much better than me. Hebrews 10 I'm going to start reading in verse 19, then I'm going to backtrack a little bit later on. Listen to these words. They're so powerful. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence, that's what we're talking about, to enter the most holy place, that place where God is, by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to come into the very presence of where God is, not guilty or ashamed because of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way that was opened up for us through the curtain that was his body. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the current household of God, the eternal household of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us now hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised us is faithful. Isn't that a great verse? It reminds us of a couple of things that we now have a confidence to enter his presence because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It tells us that the holy of holies that was once open to one man called a priest for the moment is now open to all of God's people because of Jesus Christ. And it also says that you and me, I love this bit, I suppose because I left, lived so many of my years with a guilty one. I'm celebrating now that I can have a clear conscience when I stand before the Lord, not because of my performance or the works of my life or the keeping of an Old Testament law, but because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that has washed away my vilest sin. I love that. So we're talking today about the blood of Jesus. Again, this really could be like a 30-part series. If you gave this to Pastor Jeff in Gospel, he'd probably make it like um, a 300-part series. He loves a good series, Pastor Jeff. But I don't want to preach the blood as a series. We'll do that some other time. I want to let you see how it fits into what we're speaking of our approach to God. So forgive me if this is a little bit theologically raw or light for some, but I'm just trying to make a point so that we can get the bigger point, if that makes sense. We're talking today about the blood of Jesus Christ. Songs have been written about it, hymns have declared it for years. And we talk about how his blood was shed for our sins to remove our separation. The good news of the gospel is we are no longer separated to God when we've believed in Jesus Christ. Why? Because his blood has been shed to remove our separation that's good news isn't it that's why it's called a gospel and if you're here today and you only gave your life to Jesus this week as I know a couple did you're perfectly right before God before you've had a chance to do anything to prove anything because of what Christ has done Christ alone solar feeder faith alone in Christ now when we look at the blood of Jesus Christ It's not the same as the blood that was shed in the Old Testament and Covenant. We did a good job, I think, last week separating the difference between the Old Testament priest that we read about in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament that was very law-based, and the difference between our high priest, Jesus Christ, the priest of a living new covenant. We did a good job on that journey last week, seeing the difference between the shadow in the Old and the substance of what we now have in Christ. But in the same way, when we talk about blood, we understand that the blood that was shed in the Old Testament by Old Testament priests under an old covenant was effective in part. It covered sin, but could never remove it. So there had to be a constant shedding of blood because of the constant issue of sin that caused separation between God and man. But this high priest, when he shed his blood, it made full payment for all sin, for all man, for all time. Jesus will never die on a cross for a person again. You say, so everybody's saved, legally, but vitally, it becomes theirs when they place faith in Jesus Christ. That's why when I hear gospels that say all roads lead to to God I say you are a filthy liar one road leads to God and that's his only beloved son Jesus Christ because it was only the blood of Jesus that could not cover but remove our sin now the Old Testament shedding of blood was like a minimum payment on your credit, credit card if you want to put it that way um, now I know no one here has got a credit card right no of course we haven't now the chances are quite a few do And you've got a payment that's needed, but you can't give them the payment because you haven't got it. So they ask you for minimum payment. Minimum payment means you still have a debt, but they're going to stay off your back and not arrest you and throw you in prison. If you keep paying minimum payment. Paying minimum payment is an option, but it doesn't settle the problem, but it delays what could be. Everybody with me? So the blood of bulls and goats and animals was like a minimum payment on the sins of man. It never removed it, but it covered it so God could have a condition of righteousness so that he could walk with us. But this blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, paid in full the debt between man and God got some good news for you if you've believed in Jesus you're paid in full and it's being paid in full that gives you confidence to stand before him knowing that you belong all right all right I'm going into preacher mode come back Andy control yourself all right let's go to Hebrews 10 again but let's start in verse 1 now because it fits better reversing it around somebody imitate the rustling of pages for me beautiful beautiful actually I don't know why because we were still in the same chapter but anyway chapter 10 are you ready here we go I'm going to read from verses 1 to 10 the law the old covenant the old testament the law is only a shadow of good things that are coming Jesus is that good thing not the realities themselves for this reason it can never be the same by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. It couldn't do it. The Old Testament sacrifices made with the blood of animals by high priests under an old covenant could never complete a job that was needed to be completed. If it could, they would have stopped being offered, for the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt the guilt of their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of the sins that still were present. Because it's impossible, listen, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you don't desire, but a body you've prepared for me to be a sacrifice for you. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then he said, here I am. It is written, this is Jesus, here I am, it is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, O God. Now listen, first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you didn't desire, nor were pleased by them, although the law required them to be made. Minimum payment. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first so that he can establish the second and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all how cool is that Oh, I think I should be an Old Testament Christian. You idiot. I don't know what the Greek is for that, but why? Why would you want to live in a shadow when you can walk with the substance? Why would you settle for things that aren't perfect when you can have perfect? Why would you settle for a condition of holiness that's based on your performance when you can know a holiness that's a gift from him? Just a question. Can you give me a couple more minutes? Let's go over to Hebrews 9. Someone rustle for me again. Where's Russell? There's Russell over there. Russell lines. Let, come on, I really believe we need to look at this one. Hebrews 9, verse 11 to 14, because it kind of opens it up even more. When Christ came as our high priest of good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by man, That is to say not a part of his creation. So what our high priest Jesus did didn't affect the temples made by man on earth, but they affected the condition of things in heaven. That's what that's saying. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And it just keeps getting better. The blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, how much more will that cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may now be free to serve a living God I love this foundational truth because it affects our approach to God removes arrogance and deception condemnation and gives us boldness to say father I'm here today I'm here today and I belong all right so he stood And stands before the Father as our high priest, our perfect high priest. But he also stood before the Father and presented his blood, which wasn't a down payment, but a full payment for mankind's sin. Sin was paid for completely by the blood of Jesus. And because sin was paid for completely by the blood of Jesus Our conscience was made unguilty. Now, isn't that incredible? The results of understanding the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you, it saves you from the guttermost to the uttermost, but it also gives you a clean conscience. Now, do you know what it's like to walk around with a guilty conscience? Anyone, don't leave me up here alone, or I will come down and start interviewing people. I know things about you, all right? Now, they're all forgiven. I know, all right, so you you pop your hand up and be honest, okay? So has has um, has anybody ever known what it is to have a guilty conscience? Would the others like to lift their hand if they've ever lied? We can approach this a number of ways, but we will get there, all of us but the blood of Jesus Christ removes the guilty conscience that we can now stand before the Father, redeemed, made holy, righteous, and sanctified in his presence. Now, we understand that, you know, I've, I've got five kids. I was going to say had five kids, but that means they've grown up, all right? I've still got five kids, and sometimes they act like adults, and sometimes they act like kids. But all of them, it's hilarious if you've ever been a parent, or maybe you haven't been a parent, but you've been a child, so that you can understand this. When you know you need to come in and see mum and dad, but you also know you've done something wrong and they could know about it. Right? Now, if you approach that as a parent or a child, either way, you know what that feels like. And as a parent, it's hilarious because they don't realise you've lived like 45 years of life and you know everything they're going to do before they do it. It's like, kids look at parents like we didn't live, we were made in our 30s. You know? And sometimes I remember when our kids were growing up, I'd look at Gina like, I just haven't got a clue that we, we lived, we were kids, we were children too. And it's amazing that sometimes my kids would come into the room, I won't mention which one, I've got four girls and one boy, one boy, no it's not just Ethan's problem. they all had a me- measurement of this. But sometimes they would come into the room and they'd be boldness and I'd go hey how are you doing they'd sit down yeah love your mum can I have this you know love your dad now I need this you know that relationship between children and parents you know but sometimes you'd hear your kids come down the stairs and they would avoid you and they didn't realize they just tipped you off now I hope I'm not like empowering young people here in the wrong way today but they would avoid you. You'd be in the kitchen and they'd stay in the lounge. you go in the lounge. They moved into the kitchen. You went into the kitchen. They disappeared in their bedroom. And something said to you, they don't want to be near you. Which leads you to a process of conclusion and deduction. Either we've done something wrong or they've done something wrong. Of course, parents are perfect, so it can't be us. Which leads to one last consequence. What are parents give me an amen there? Amen. Even though we know it's not true. And so you'd, you'd go to your kids, what, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, oh, nothing, nothing. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, sitting there with fig leaves all over themselves. Like, well, why are you acting like that if there's no problem? That's basically what God said to Adam. Why are you acting like that? Why have you made clothes? Because we were naked. How did you know you were naked? We didn't eat it. How did you know it was there to eat? You know, we begin to learn as parents, right? I can remember once. I can remember once. I think it was just Ethan and Olivia were alive. Gabby may have been at that point, but we were living over in New Road Easter, uh, over in, in, in North End there. And uh, and one day they came in the pair of them, just like avoiding us. And I looked at Gina I said, "Something stinketh." Old Testament King James Version. <laughs> Something stinketh. And we went upstairs, right? We went upstairs. And they thought it was fun to empty all the clothes out of our wardrobe and make a physical huge mound that they could hide in. Glad you had fun. Now let's talk about consequences. The funny thing was we had this huge mound of clothes, his and hers, out of wardrobe in a wardrobe, in and we went up to him. Mrs. is brilliant. You parents know where I'm going already. Who did this? It wasn't me oh we've been burgled but it's funny how they didn't take anything just totally destroyed our wardrobes and I went to one of them because the first thing you do is you've watched detective shows on tv you separate the criminals and you interview them individually it's just stuff you learn as a parent smudge and it just comes it works and so we interviewed Olivia she was nowhere in the vicinity she was in New York apparently she was like that big Ethan was like he'd been somewhere he was in Hawaii but no one was in the room when it happened and that's when you pull out a lie that's not a lie because it's a daddy lie and it's working for the greater good all right children you can tell me now or I will replay the secret camera we've got in our bedroom there's no secret camera that would be weird and suddenly people start confessing But what told me there was a problem was how they walked around when they were in a room with me. They had a guilty conscience. The blood of Jesus Christ has removed the guilty conscience of God's children. So that we no longer have to avoid him, be worried of punishment, because all of the punishment was carried out on his son, as was all of his wrath. The Son took our judgment, the Son appeared before the Father as us, so that we can now appear before the Father as him. It was a divine exchange. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for all sin, for all time that we can now know that we belong and be free of a guilty conscience because a guilty conscience will always lead to condemnation yet in the book of Romans it says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus why because the blood of Christ Jesus has separated us from our sin ending the separation that was between us and God and clean our conscience so that we can now approach the throne of God with our good bits, our bad bits, our bits that we're still working out and say Father I am welcome here I'm not going to die like the Old Testament priest because I died already in Jesus Christ, I'm a dead man walking, my old man has been crucified with Christ it's no longer him that lives but Christ that lives in me and just as there was blood on the doorway in the Passover of the children of Israel and when the curse saw the blood it couldn't enter the house. Right now we have the blood of Jesus Christ on the lentil of our life that every principality and wickedness cannot come in where the blood is present. The blood of Jesus shed for me and for you has redeemed us, cleansed us, removed the guilty conscience, and is a reminder to the devil. You can't touch this. Uh. Feel Andy the preacher, he's trying to get out. I'm, I'm, I'm harnessing him. The blood of Jesus, don't, don't encourage me, sister. I'm terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. The blood of Jesus shed for us has never lost its power. The blood of Jesus shed 2,000 years ago has never lost its power. But when the Father sees you approaching him, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. You know, apparently... We heard on the news this week that there's a shortage of blood in England and they're asking people to be blood donors and come forward and give blood because of a blood shortage. It's a a reality. It was on the news this week. I'm so glad that my blood donor, (laughs) Jesus Christ, (laughs) shed his blood for me 2,000 years ago to remove my guilt and my shame and everything that kept me separated from God. And that blood is still flowing today. It's still flowing today. There's no shortage. My blood donor, Jesus Christ, shed his blood. And the life that was in his blood has become the life that's now in me. Think about that. Think about that. When they take your blood naturally and put it into another human... The life that's in your blood brings life to them. How much more does the blood of Christ now bring life to me? Let me close with this thought. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody thank Jesus today. Come on, someone thank the high priest that shed his blood. Oh, by grace we enter into that which we didn't deserve, that which we could never merit, that which we could never maintain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can have boldness and confidence in your presence as children that now belong father we did nothing we did nothing you provided the way through the giving of your son if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus I suppose the question is why wouldn't you not why should you it's life real living it's when his life becomes your life things make sense He begins to turn everything around. I'm not promising an overnight everything changed, but a journey begins. It just keeps getting better and better. It still has its challenges. It still has its hurdles. But suddenly God is with you because not only do we approach him into his presence, but we also know now the presence of God living in us. Our lives have become his postcode. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Just keeps getting better. Can we pray a prayer as we end today? Let's just pray it all together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you gave your only beloved Son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but could have everlasting life. I believe in you, Jesus. You are my high priest. I don't need to go via another priest to get to God. Because I have direct access. Thank you for your blood shed, Jesus. That saved me. And gives me everything I need. That terrifies the enemy when he sees it on me. Jesus, I give my life fully to you today. Surrendering myself to you. Thank you for saving me. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. My life is now yours. I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am saved. Just my every head's bowed, every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer today, the Bible says that you've just become born again. You've just been saved. You've just been restored to the God that never stopped loving you. I want you to do one thing for me. Maybe you're here and you've never prayed a prayer like that. Or maybe you've been away from God and this is your comeback today. Love that. As I count to three, if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer or you've been away from God, I want you to lift your hand when I count to three. So all I'm going to ask you to do, I'm not going to bring you forward. This is between you and God. I get the privilege of witnessing this, but it's you saying it was more than a prayer. This is my now. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, just go ahead and lift your hand. One, two, three. Oh, God bless you. Thank you for that hand. God bless you at the back. Beautiful lady here, guy at the back. Anybody else, you say, Me too, Andy. What you got to lose? You got nothing to lose, you got everything to gain. Father, I pray for this gentleman and I pray for this lady today. Keep them protected from religion. Let them fall head over heels in love with you so nothing that once makes sense makes sense anymore, but suddenly they see clearly the life that they've been given to live. Thank you for miracles in their bodies, freedom in their minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's give God applause.